I've entitled my sermon today, Committed or Just Involved? And I'm indebted to a, a paper I read by uh, Dr. Frank Hegadu, who's a parish priest in um, um, Budapest in Hungary. And some of the better sentences in the sermon I'll attribute to him. We will no doubt, no doubt see on our TV screen this, at this time of year processions of Christians from all of the different churches parading around church grounds and the suburbs or even through the centres of town. It's proven to be a very appealing way, way to witness to our faith on this last Sunday before Easter. However, no matter how sincere they may be, processions, pageantry and palm-waving are really, in a way, quite undemanding gestures. And when you think of it, there is, of course, no long-term commitment involved in such street theatre, as was so graphically shown by the Jerusalem crowds 2,000 years ago. <coughs> Excuse me. Palm Sunday is all about involvement and commitment and the difference between the two. Those who followed Jesus on the first leg of his journey into Jerusalem, singing his praises, were certainly involved and caught up in the excitement and the moment. They'd obviously heard of Jesus. His reputation had gone before him. And knowing of his ministry and of his healings, his gospel message of peace and reconciliation, why wouldn't they have liked him and worshipped him? And they no doubt thought to themselves that here at last was a great prophet, one whom God had raised and one with a bright future in the faith-based power politics of this day and perhaps one who would get rid of the yoke of the German, of the Italian-Roman occupation. And to prove their interest in involvement, they lent Jesus their presence and their voices on this special day. One of them was even willing to lend Jesus a colt to ride on as he came down into the holy city from the Mount of Olives. <coughs> and what did they cry out? Interestingly, what they shouted was an echo of the heavenly hosts who sang at Jesus' birth. It's almost as if, isn't it, in the life of Jesus, the cycle has been completed because they sang glory to God in the highest and peace to men on earth while they spread out their cloaks before him and waved their palms. Crowds and crowds of them were very much involved. In so many ways, the world hasn't changed so much over the years and since then, they, like us here today, all also have responsibilities and preoccupations. What might have been a fun outing day welcoming the latest prophet to town led quickly enough to the duties and errands of the next day and beyond. After all, there were mouths to feed and bills to pay and there was work to be done. By the time Good Friday had rolled around, though, no one was left or willing to lay down branches or cloaks for Jesus, much less chant hosannas before him 
all including his own disciples, had abandoned him. Jesus was on his own. For us too, our joyous hosannas of Palm Sundays are themselves soon enough muffled by the cruel and sober readings of the Passion narrative. Jesus betrayed and the death on Good Friday. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, turns with a start to crucify him, crucify him. Yes, it's easy to be involved, same today as then, but commitment, now that's something else entirely. You just ask Jesus. When I was preparing the sermon, I happened to come across some notes I had about commitment, which I had taken from the Word for Today, uh, that daily reading uh, magazine that one can get. And this is what it said. The difference between being a church attendee and a church member is commitment. Attendees are consumers. Members are contributors. Attendees want the benefits without any responsibility or accountability. Whereas joining a local church family, being a member and contributing proves that you're committed. You see, God wants you to have, to love real people, not ideal people. If you're out looking for the perfect church and find it, don't join it because you'll spoil it. We're called to love imperfect people just as God loves you. From some of the earliest stories of Genesis to the later writings of the prophets, God, on the other hand, is always found to be firmly committed to his people, Israel. The prophet Isaiah proclaimed, it's the Lord who helps me. Isaiah knows instinctively that God is always more ready to show mercy and lend assistance than we are to accept it. No matter the faults of the people, no matter how much they become sidetracked and preoccupied with mundane or trivial concerns, the Lord's covenant, God's commitment, remains unwavering. <coughs> and when the writers of Psalm lament, I am in trouble and forgotten like a dead man, they know instinctively that they can be consoled by turning to the divine. You are my God, they declare without equivocation. My times are in your hand. As I'm sure many of us have experienced, it is when we feel the most forsaken and abandoned that the Lord is closest of all. The emptiness of our hearts at such moments leaves room for the presence of our God who brushes away our myriad di diversions and distractions. I'm sure many of us here have examples of such times that it's happened in our lives. Yes, in my mid-40s, when I had four young children, I suddenly found myself out of work. Um, a little bit disconcerting because I wasn't, in fact, fired or anything like that. I resigned. Uh, I did it as much as anything because 
or I felt able to do it because I said, trust in God that he was leading my life. And I was out of work for a month. I was out of work for a month and I, I never felt closer to God in my life and prayed and, every, and so on ceaselessly. And I then saw an ad in the paper that read like my CV. I couldn't have written it better myself. I knew that it was there at almost, when I read it, the lights were almost flashing on it as, as if God was saying, here, this one's for you, this is the one I'm saving for you. And I got that job as I knew I would and worked for that company for 16 years, the last 16 years of my life, and it was a wonderful company. And, you know, there are troughs, dips and troughs in all our lives, but boy, if God's there with you, then, you know, he'll see you through as he did me. From some of the earlier stories of Genesis to the later writings of the prophets, God, on the other hand, is always found to be firmly committed to his people, Israel. The prophet Isaiah proclaimed, it's the Lord who helps me. Our Lord never wavers in his commitment to us and to all humankind. That's the message of Jesus' passion and death. Like the people of ancient Israel, we may be fickle or even erratic in our life of faith. But Jesus never once fails us or lets us down. As Paul explains in his letter to the Philippians, Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God to be something to be exploited, but emptied himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. There can be no greater commitment than that. So Palm Sunday takes us on a liturgical and emotional roller coaster ride like no other day of the church year. The involvement of the crowds at Jesus' entry to Jerusalem challenges us once again to reflect on the commitment that led to Jesus to give his life for us. Amid the many changes and chances of this mortal life, on this or any other week, we dare not forget the cross. It would be easy enough for any of us to come to church on Palm Sunday to let sweet hosannas ring, to gather our Palm Cross bookmark, head home, and not reappear until Easter Day, thus missing out on Good Friday. How great our religion is, we might be tempted to think. Palm branches and hosannas on Sunday, Easter lilies, eggs and hallelujahs the next. But if we miss out on the Passion Gospel and the account of Jesus' death, we miss out on an essential piece, perhaps the most important essential piece. We will have missed the commitment that the whole story is about that comes on Good Friday. I have a bit of a tradition on Good Friday. One, I love to go to the church service and I, I love the emotion of it. Uh, and then I go home and in a way to continue that emotion, I'll sit down and listen to Handel's Messiah from beginning to end. Uh, I'd, I love to sit and listen to it. I'd like, love to hear and take in the emotion there in Handel's music. And it makes me think of Christ's suffering 
on this day 2,000 years ago. I can almost, I do sometimes weep when the alto uh, soloist sings he was despised, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And then when the full choir bursts out with surely, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Now, whatever else you attend, please try to get to a Good Friday service to hear the story of Christ and his commitment leading to the cross. <clears throat> when Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, like the throng surrounding him on that happy day, perhaps he too was caught up and engaged in the moment and the spectacle. But just a few days later, he leaves the city, no longer on a donkey or a royal sedan, but on foot, carrying a cross, with the enormous task of winning our redemption, one agonising step at a time. No matter where our life journey with its twists and turns may take us, as followers of Christ, our voyage of faith leads us through Jerusalem and on to Calvary with our Lord, like faithful pilgrims the world over and like Jesus himself, we too must walk the way of the cross. There's no other way home. Because only at the cross does Jesus at last turn our involvement into the commitment and the covenant of Calvary with its assurance of our salvation. Let's finish with a very short prayer. <clears throat> Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat>